So once again, we join in Mark chapter 4. And we join Jesus as again Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching, he said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. And still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and grew and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even a 100 times. Then Jesus said, Anyone who has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the twelve and others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown in rocky places, hear the word at once and receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown in good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, 30, 60, even a hundred times what was sown. He said to them, do you bring in a lamp and put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. Whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has has will be given more, and whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken away. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. And again he said, 
What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable should we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet, when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that birds of the air can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we see a great example here of how throughout his ministry, Jesus so often taught using parables. In fact, our scripture tells us today, he did not say anything to them except in parables. Parables, little memorable short stories that serve a larger rhetorical point. If you grew up in the church or if you've read the gospels yourself, you're probably familiar with some of the most famous parables. They show up in our culture all over the place. And you've probably heard some of the common interpretations of them. Ones that kind of imitate what Jesus does in the passage here about the parable of the soils, where he explains what it means. And often I think that we, we think of parables like sort of little allegories that you just need to decode in order to understand the truth that's contained in them. Let me explain what I mean by that, that idea of them being little allegories you have to decode. And I know that Christmas is over, but I'm going to use an example from that movie. Do you know the movie A Christmas Story? You probably do because it's on like 24 hours a day on Christmas Eve. I grew up watching that movie every year. And as I was thinking about parables, it made me think about a scene in that movie where Ralphie, who's nine years old, gets home from school and he opens the mailbox and he is just thrilled to find that he has gotten something in the mail. He has gotten his little orphan Annie secret society decoder pin. Do you remember this part? So he goes that night and he carefully writes out the coded message that's at the end of the story that's just for those who are members of the secret society. And he runs up to the bathroom and he closes the door and he locks his brother out and he gets out his pin and he lines up the numbers and the letters so that it can decode this message of numbers. And he works his way through it very carefully writing out, okay, this means this letter and this means this letter. And he gets to the end only to be disappointed with the instructions that tell him, be sure to drink your Ovaltine. It was not exactly the secret society mission that he was hoping for. I don't know if we can make that into an allegory for how we uh, deal with the parables, but sometimes I think that we imagine parables are kind of like that, that we need some sort of decoder pin to figure out what they mean. So imagine we set the dial to father equals God, and then we look at the parable of the prodigal son, and we say, oh, okay, so God is the father that welcomes back the sinful, straying son. So God is merciful. That's what, that's what that parable says. That's the secret message of that parable. Or maybe we look at the story about the master that gave his servants all different amounts of money, And we realize that it's supposed to teach us that we're supposed to use our God-given gifts and not hide them. Okay, simple enough. I can deal with that. That's a a good, easy message for me to get out of that parable with my secret decoder pin. Once you get the hang of it, it seems pretty simple. 
And you start to expect parables all to boil down to some kind of simple truth like that. God is merciful. Use your gifts. But, but then there are those parables that don't quite line up right. We don't quite get them. Like the parable of the mustard seed. For many, many years, commentators of all kinds have been trying to explain why Jesus said the mustard seed is the smallest of all seeds when it's not. An orchid seed is smaller, and Jesus is the Son of God. He would have known that. And how could he then have claimed that it grew into such a large bush, and in other Gospels it says even to a tree, when it doesn't? A mustard seed doesn't grow into a tree. And then there's a few parables that are even more troubling than that. If we use our analogy of this decoder pin, we make some of these parables into an equation well, how far are we really supposed to follow that analogy when we have a parable where God is the master or the king and then everyone dies at the end? Do we just ignore that part? It's not quite as simple as it seemed at first glance. And sometimes I wonder when I read the parables, if Jesus wanted to teach us just these simple truths about God, like God is merciful, why did he use parables in the first place? Why not just tell us what he means? Maybe you've wondered that too. Well, I have a feeling that's exactly what the disciples were probably wondering when they came to Jesus the day that we just read about in the Bible. And they asked him about his parables, and this is what he said. The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. I'm not sure that helps. This response has always confused me. Doesn't Jesus want people to turn and be forgiven? Isn't that the whole point of preaching in the first place? Even his disciples, Jesus' closest companions, don't seem to be able to solve the riddle of his parables. He says, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? So what are we to do? Well, let's look a little more closely at Jesus' response. Part of it is a quote from Isaiah, that Old Testament prophet. And Isaiah, as a prophet, was called to speak the truth to people who didn't really want to hear it. They constantly misunderstood what he was saying or just flat out ignored it. Listen to this conversation between God and Isaiah that takes place in chapter 6, right when Isaiah is being called to his job to go and preach to the people. It begins with God speaking. It says, Go and tell this people, be ever hearing but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Then I said, this is Isaiah speaking, Then I said, How long, O Lord? And he answered, Until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitants. Until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged. Until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. 
And though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. But as the terebinth and the oak leave stumps when they are cut down, so a holy seed will be left, the stump in the land. Seems like harsh words. But these words of the prophet Isaiah were a warning to the people of Israel who over and over again failed to respond to the message of the prophets. They heard the words, but they didn't respond with faith. That word didn't penetrate their hearts. And so the prophet Isaiah warns them of the consequences of the lack of their faith. We've seen that in the history of the people of Israel. They went into exile until they could listen to God. And yet there's this promise right at the tail end of that scripture. Did you hear it? There was a big but. But there will be a holy seed left in the land. A few faithful ones will remain. A holy seed of faith waiting there to grow when the people were ready to receive the word of God. Well, by quoting the prophet Isaiah here, Jesus is saying that his parables are kind of like Isaiah's message. They are misunderstood and mysterious to most people. But for a faithful few, for those who have been given the secret of the kingdom of God, they are the word of God. Now, this is consistent with this theme of secrecy that we've already begun to see in, in Mark Jesus goes around silencing the demons that he casts out of people because they know who he is. And he asks those who he heals not to tell anyone. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago when Pastor Stephen preached on Mark chapter 1. But we noted even then that every time Jesus says, don't tell anyone, don't tell anyone, it's almost like he knows that this secret is not going to be contained for very much longer. And in fact, a few chapters later in Mark chapter 9, Jesus tells his disciples precisely when this secret is not going to be a secret anymore. It happens right after three of the disciples saw Jesus transfigured into his glory. He was speaking with Moses and Elijah on a mountain, and, and he was glowing, radiating the presence of God. It was a way of revealing his identity, that he is the Son of God. And as Jesus and his three disciples who witnessed this made their way back down the mountain, the gospel tells us that Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. The disciples have been given the secret of the kingdom of God. They have been given faith in Jesus as the Son of God, as the Messiah. They know who he is. They know his identity. They know he is the son of God. And once his identity and his work were, were fully revealed through his death and his resurrection, then Jesus says it's time for that secret to come out. It's time to start telling people who he really is. Because as Jesus himself said in our passage we just read today, whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. Whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. It's not meant to be a secret for much longer. So then what does it mean that Jesus says the disciples have been given the secret of the kingdom of God, while to those on the outside everything is said in parables? Well, I'll tell you, I don't think it means 
that you need some secret knowledge in order to solve the parables. There is no private club that Christians can join where you'll get sent a decoder pin in the mail so that you can figure out what they all mean. And I promise you don't get one of those in seminary either. There are some very mysterious parables out there, and there is no simple truth or moralism that you can necessarily squeeze out of every single one of them by figuring out, okay, God's the Father and we're the Son, and it doesn't all line up like that. In fact, according to um, a New Testament scholar named Amy Jill Levine, she notes that Jews, like Jesus and his followers, were familiar with parables as a teaching tool. This was a common way that rabbis would teach. And they knew that parables were more than children's stories or restatements of common knowledge. They knew that parables and people who told parables were there to prompt them to see the world in a different way, to challenge them, to t- at times to indict them. And Amy Levine says, we might be better off thinking less about what the parables mean and more about what they can do. They can remind us. They can provoke us. They can refine us. They can confront us. They can disturb us. They can challenge us. And I think this idea points us in the direction of what Jesus meant by saying that the disciples had been given a secret or the mystery of the kingdom. It's not so much that that the disciples had some special knowledge that helped them understand the parables, that Jesus was explaining to them privately what they meant, where he wasn't doing that for everyone else. The secret of the kingdom of God was that they had faith in Jesus. They had faith that Jesus was the Son of God. And because of that, these parables could prompt them to action. It could confront their shortcomings. Again, quoting Dr. Levine, she says, What makes the parables mysterious or difficult is that they challenge us to look at the hidden aspects of our own values, our own lives. They bring to surface the unasked questions, and they reveal the answers that we've always known but refused to acknowledge. So if we hear a parable and we think, I really like that, or worse, if we fail to take any challenge from it, then we're not listening well enough. I, I think that Jesus would agree with that. If we listen to a parable and we think, oh, I really like that, and we're not challenged to respond out of faith, then we're not hearing it. Let anyone who has ears to hear, hear the word of the God. You see, Jesus' parables are not just presentations of truth in story format. They're a call to action. Anyone with the right information about the biblical context, whether a person of faith or not, can come up with an allegorical interpretation of these parables. They can come up with a theory about what kinds of seeds Jesus was really talking about in that parable about the mustard seed. But the mystery of the kingdom of God is that these stories are more than that. These stories to the people of faith are the word of God and a call to action to respond in faith. The function of the parables is not so much to hide the truth from us that we have to solve it like a riddle, but rather to provoke us to wonder and to act on the mystery of faith in Jesus that's been given to us. To take it 
and put it on a lampstand so that everyone can see it. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear, Jesus says. Those of us who have faith are like that holy seed that Isaiah talked about. We have been given the secret of the kingdom of God. Faith in Jesus as the Son of God. And now, through Jesus' parables, we are called to grow, to produce fruit, 30, 60, 100 times what was planted in us. The secret of the kingdom of God, our faith in Jesus Christ, is meant to grow and to bear fruit in others. In the past, when I've thought about this parable, about the soils, as a formula that I had to decode, I always assumed that Jesus was the farmer, because we're all the different kinds of soils, right? But did you notice he doesn't actually say who the farmer is? So as I thought about it again, I started to wonder, now that the secret is out, now that Jesus' identity as the Son of God has been revealed, what if we're the ones being called to scatter seed? And the people who witness our faith are the different kinds of soil. Are we being challenged by this parable to scatter our faith, our seed of faith, anywhere we go? Just like that farmer who, for some strange reason, wastes his seed by putting it on the path and in the middle of the thorns, are we supposed to let everyone know the truth of faith, no matter what their response to it might be? Perhaps this parable speaks to you, prompting you to share the word with someone you know, even if you think they're not ready to hear it. Or maybe it's one of the other parables in this passage. Maybe the one about the man who hasn't been paying attention to his garden in verse 26 through 28. Maybe, maybe in that parable we're being reminded that it's time to gather in grain that's been growing near us even though we weren't paying attention. Maybe this parable is inviting you to invite or encourage someone you know to get more involved or to use their gifts. Or maybe the parable of the mustard seed is a call to us to wonder, has our faith grown big enough that it could provide shelter to someone who is from far away, like that mustard plant provided shelter to the birds? Perhaps it's presenting a challenge to you to extend hospitality to a refugee or a missionary or someone who's fallen on hard times. My friends, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. It doesn't come in the form of a Bible commentary or a secret decoder ring that can help you solve the riddle of these parables. The secret of the kingdom of God is your faith in Christ through which the words of Jesus in these parables can provoke you and call you to action. So today I want to challenge you. Go home and take up one of these parables that we just read today. Read it over again. Pray to God about it. Talk with your family about it. And wonder, what does it have to say to you? By the secret of the kingdom of God, what does it have to say to you and to our church? What, by faith, are you called to do in response to this word that has been planted in you? And what rocks or thorns are keeping it from growing into faithfulness and fruitfulness? 
Because whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. The secret is meant to be shared. The fruit is meant to grow and scatter its seed. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.